Otherwise, with Nancy Richards. Thanks very much. It's Anna Baton received. Thank you. It's Otherwise Talking Women here on SAFM. And uh, the team, we have uh, Hazel Michael we have Des Gippers, and I'm Nancy Richards. All we've got on the show today, going to start off with a rather visionary iridologist who's talking about her journey in a book that she calls Dollars to Soweto. Inspiring journey it is too, but uh, interesting to hear what she has to say. After that, we'll be talking to the brand new Mrs. South Africa, who's calling on victims of abuse to use their experience to liberate others. But she's also leading by example. She's a fine lady. She is Fikile Mekwe, and she's doing all sorts of things to help other, uh, particularly other women and other girls in, uh, in difficult situations. So look forward to hearing what she's got to tell us too. And uh, finally, actress, uh, presenter, singer, entertainer, little power pack she is. She's Casey B. Dolan. And in her book, An Appetite for Peace, I just love this line, so I'm going to repeat it. She says, I've done some really brave things in my life and some really stupid ones. And she's going to confess and tell us just a little of both. So that's what we're looking forward to. And don't forget, if you'd like to give us a call at any stage, you can. 0892-102010 is the number. 0892-102010. What's news? Well, very briefly, according to the New Age, Satu and Minister of Basic Education, Anshim Otsheka, have made up their differences after the latter agreed to the union's demands, and they have withdrawn their calls for her to resign. And on the rather undignified issue of the displayed underwear, the minister says it is insulting to women generally and fuels patriarchy indicates the need to educate men and women. Well, I would certainly agree with the first part. As to the education, well, isn't what this is all about anyway. Uh, Award-winning feisty British actress, I'm sure you read this one, Helen Mirren caused a bit of a stir recently. During the interval of a play in which she was playing the Queen, the play is called The Audience, and uh, around about the interval time she burst outside of the theatre in full costume and in full flight to fire off some especially choice words to a group of drummers who were making a very loud noise. Well, the musical director of the Bachelala London Drummers said her language was very blue, which, looking back on it, was really quite funny. I'm sure it wasn't funny at the time. Anyway, she got it off her chest. I'm not sure, though, it would have got the royal nod of approval. And just whilst we're on language, I have to tell you, a government health warning, that there's some fairly frisky vocabulary in An Appetite for Peas in KCB Dillon's book, but we promise to keep it clean, and we'll be hearing a little bit more about that later. But just on the Queen, um, a little bit too late to turn back the royal clock on her snow-white hair, I would say. But interesting to read that scientists have found that people are going grey, build up. What they think they found is is a a cure for grey hair, if indeed it's a disease. Anyway, they think they found a cure. And they say that people who are going grey build up hydrogen peroxide in the hair follicle, which causes hair to bleach itself from the inside out. But this could be reversed by an antioxidant cocktail that allows repigmentation of the hair. So there you go. If you're going grey, something to think about. But the, what's also interesting is that discovery of what makes hair grey, which was published in the Federation of American Societies for Experimental Biology Journal, was made while they were actually investigating the skin disease vitiligo. So interesting to see the connection there. And if, uh, if you're going grey, you might like to Google that little bit of information, see if you can lay your hands on that cocktail. Otherwise, just go grey. Why not? You're listening to Otherwise. Stay with us. I'm Tias Ngamuni. It was 16 years ago that my father started working at Total as a forecourt attendant. Growing up, there wasn't a man I admired more. In 2009, Total awarded the bursary that helped me get my degree in economics. Today, I'm following in his footsteps working as an intern at Total. They're helping me reach my full potential and that's why I'm proud to be part of Total achieving level 2 BEE status. Tears, we couldn't be prouder of you. Total. 
The journey of transformation continues. Otherwise, with Nancy Richards. Indeed, otherwise, it'd be Nancy Richards. And don't forget, if you'd like to contact us at any stage with your story, your interests, your questions, you're welcome. Otherwise, at safm.co.za is the email. And you can find us on Facebook, where it's otherwise on SAFM. Well, Dollars to Soweto is the title of a book by a qualified iridologist who also calls herself an ethno-medical practitioner. And from a humble beginning as a Soweto girl, Tabang Molefi has built up a business. She's also taken a few knocks, but now she's ready to share the journey. Well, I spoke to her earlier and asked her first about the book. Okay, Dollars to Soweto is my self-experience about what happens to an entrepreneur and how do you get out of problems uh, what solutions do you have? What, what what are the highs and lows of the business? And what do you do when you, you actually reach rock bottom and how do you get out of it? It's mostly about uh, teaching entrepreneur about perseverance because I've been in business for about 11 years. So on my chance year, I said, no, let me write a book about all my experiences that I've been through. So it's, it's much your story as a self-help book. Yes, it's more like a self-help book. Okay, but tell us a little bit about your story. I think it's been kind of tough. You've been in business for 11 years, but take us right back to the beginning. Are you you're from Soweto? Yes, I'm from Soweto, and uh, what happened is that I studied iridology and herbalism, and I also studied blood analysis and nutrition. So what I did is I went overseas. I went to work there for about five years. I worked in the cruise ships, traveling around the world. And then after that, I took the dollars and then I came back and opened the business called the Roots Health Center in Soweto. Um, when I started the first two years, everybody thought this business won't work. But through perseverance and the experience in the business, I knew that, no, this business is going to actually work hard. So what I did is I actually took everything, all my savings, and put it into my business. Then two years later, I ran out of money. And then I, in, when I went into Kickstart. And then I went and ordered a competition, kickstart. Um, South African breweries, yeah. Yeah, South African breweries. Then I won 150000 and then I opened my other branches. Then after that, I opened lots of branches. Then uh, in 2008, I won Woman of the Year. And then um, my, uh, just my business has been going from strength to strength. Mm. Let's go back to the beginning of your business. You mentioned that you studied iridology, which is the, the well, just explain to us exactly what that is. Okay, iridology is diagnosing the eye. Uh, there is. The, the iris, so it's like it's a scientifical diagnose. So we look at your eyes and then we're able to see all your organ weakness through your eyes. And we also specialize in blood analysis. We also take your life blood analysis. We're able to see exactly what's wrong, like how your diet is affecting your health. And then after that, we give you herbs that we actually import from Germany that actually helps to clean out your system. We also do, it's more, our, I actually open a business called the Root Health Center. So it's more of a wellness center. So we do colonic hydrotherapies. We also do, we give people herbs. We do reflexology. So we actually deal with the body. It's like a one-stop shop where you actually service your body. Because I always say to people, you know, your car, if it's ran about 100000 you take it for a service. But when it comes to your body, you don't actually take care of your body as good as you should. Why did you go into the sort of the health business and, and why iridology? Why why that route? Okay, iridology is because I wanted something different and something unique. Mm. And also opening in Soweto, when I did my research, nobody did that. So I was like, you know, I actually saw a gap in the mountain, especially in the black. And I actually didn't see, I saw, I saw a lot of, like, a lot of people in Soweto don't know anything about iridology. Yeah. So I thought to myself, you know what? Let me just do this, and then so I can put it into my community and educate them and see on how it's done. So now they understand it. I do. I do a lot of seminars, and I educate people on how to take care of themselves. 
They might not know a lot about iridology, but certainly a lot of people in Soweto would know about herbs, uh, especially traditional herbs as they're used here in South Africa. Now, you're bringing yours in from Germany. That sounds like it might require a bit of different thinking. Yeah, it is requiring a lot of different thinking because that's why I'm saying in the first two years, people had no clue what I was doing and they, they didn't understand at all. And, you know, mixing the two, it was actually different than other people were doing it. It was a struggle in the first two years to actually mm-hmm. convince people in the township on, you know, you need to come for the service, we need to check exactly what's going on with your body, you know, we need to see exactly how you're taking care of your own body and, and, you know, to taking herbs. So they understood the herbal part. But, you know, in terms of iridology, it's like, you know, but before I give you the herbs, I need to see exactly what's wrong with you. I think that's when it started making sense to them. So you can diagnose a whole range of different ailments or conditions that people may have by looking deeply into their eyes. Yes, and, mm-hmm. you know, iridology has been there for thousands and thousands yeah, of years. Yeah. It's just that people are not, you know, as they call it alternative, it falls under alternative medicine and alternative diagnosis. So I think you know, people are not really prone to it. You know, you can even see on your eyes whether you're going to have a baby boy or girl. On the left, it's a boy. On the right, it's an eye. So there's certain things that you actually look in the iris that you can actually pick up in terms of the cholesterol rings, the stress, if you've got too much stress and how much is it. You know, and then you can also see all your organs are actually in the eyes. You know, you can see all your kidneys, your livers, everything in your eyes. Have you had a lot of success in helping people finding out what their problems are and curing them? Yes, absolutely. I've had a lot of success and we've had a lot of testimonies. You know, we've actually even helped people who have done IVF and they failed and they've come to us and we've seen exactly what was wrong, giving them herbs. And then we've also helped a lot of people who suffer from arthritis, who actually suffer from diabetic ulcers, who've been suffering from lots of ailments. And, you know, and we've helped a lot of people because, you know, in the 11th years, We've seen so many people, and now we actually live by testimonies and referrals, which is excellent for us. It is excellent, and I just have to be so careful. Are you a member of the South African Medical Association? Have you got anybody, anybody's backing? Okay, you've got, you know what, iridology and um, with the herbs and everything, it falls under, there's another organization called Ibasane. Mm-hmm. It's an ethnomedical practitioner, so yeah. we actually fall under that board. So that board was actually made for us who are actually working with alternative medicine. Do you find more women than men come to you for treatment? It's 50-50. At first, it used to be 70% women, mm. and then uh, and then now it's like 60-50 men, 50% uh, women, because now people are starting to know about it and, you know, about other herbs. But I also do get some African herbs because I also went to Cape Town and studied about all traditional herbs as well. So I also in- incorporate that as well in my practice. So some of them that they ones that they don't know, so I also know like African potato and other um, African herbs. You say you've got branches all over. How many branches have you got? Okay, you know what? I actually have, I had nine branches. Ne? So I've closed some of them to open uh, franchise them. So I've got uh, branches, so I to Spray View and Walkerville. But the other branches, I've franchised them, like I've franchised Durban, and I also franchise uh, for nothing. So I'm in a process, because, you know, I find, that's why I wrote this book, that, you know, franchising is always better, because I find when I used to have all these nine branches, I had more problems of, like, staff problem, theft, so many problems that, you know, I actually couldn't be in one place. So in, I had problems with control system. So that's the reason why I wrote the book, you know, about if you want to expand, don't expand too quick and too fast, then you might have a problem. The people who take on your, who 
you know, take on one of your franchises. Do you vet them? I mean, do they need to do some sort of training? Do you train them or do they have to get additional training? How does that work? Okay, no, they, they need to come as an, like, if they, let's say they come in, then we take them to an institute where they actually study aerodology and then they go have to study herbalism in full. And then most of them, they have to go and maybe their stuff needs to be trained in colon hydrotherapy where we actually take them to be trained on how to. And then the other people, they need to know how to do reflexology because, you know, for us, we're not only doing just aerodology, blood analysis. We also advise people about nutrition because I'm also a nutritionist as well. Because, you know, I always believe that it's very important for you to know exactly what is it that you need to eat? Because, you know, I believe, and, and with my experience as well, because we're sick because we're actually eating a lot of toxic food, you know. So if you're not eating all the toxic food and you, you, your life is balanced, you know, you, you're less likely to actually get ill. So mostly on our practice, we, we emphasize on people that correctional way of eating. Not, we're not putting you on your diet or whatever. We're putting you on a way of life, on how you should eat and what food are actually dangerous and poisonous. Apart from telling your own story... What are you hoping to do with the book? Okay, the book, you know, we are hoping to do um, a movie one day, and we're also hoping, now we're actually in the process of doing a theatrical production about the book. So it's actually going very well because we had a reading yesterday at the Pretoria University on, on the students. They were actually helping us to read the script, and the next step we're going to do auditions, and then after that we're going to do it into a theater musical production, and then after that then we're going to take it to the film industry. With a view to encouraging people to be healthy or to start up their own business? I would actually say both. A, health is the most important thing. You know, you have to eat healthy. You have to keep, you know, it's also the good energy that you also have to put. And then encourage, you have to actually, and then instead of starting the business, you know, it's actually up to you to start a business. But, you know, we always encourage people that starting a business is actually the best thing to do because it gives you the oomph. Because sometimes, you know, we do seminars, whether it's an entrepreneur or, like, are you born or are you taught, you see? Mm-hmm. Those are the, actually the two things of an entrepreneur. But I would still really encourage people to start their own business because if you're starting your own business, at least you can see the growth and not to give up and perseverance. Well, there you go, Tabang Molefi, and her book, once again, is called Dollars to Soweto. If you want to lay your hands on it and find out the pathway to success, published by Trafford Publishing. If you want to get hold of her via Twitter, the handle is at Dollars to Soweto or at Tabang Dollars. Equally, she gave me her, quite fine for us to give out her her cell phone number in case you'd like some information on starting up a franchise, on how to get hold of the book, on seminars, or auditions for the the theatre piece that they've got going. The number is 078-162-6017. And don't forget, once again, if you've missed it, pop us an email, otherwise at safm.co.za. This is SAFM. Well, there you go. That was one woman's story of success. And next we have another, that of Fikile Mekwe. She's the first black woman to take the title of Mrs. South Africa, which is something of an accolade in herself. But she's decided to use her role. Uh, in fact, she got the role. They got the part, I would imagine, for a lot of the work that she's been doing. But she's also decided to use the, this role to try and encourage other women who've been victims of abuse to use their experience to liberate others. And that was uh, part of a campaign that she, she ran just recently towards the end of last month. But we've got her on the line to tell us all about it. Hi, Fakile. Hello, how are you doing? I'm so good, how are you? 
I'm good, thank you. Excellent, Thanks for having excellent. me. Well, congratulations on the on being, firstly on being Mrs. South Africa and for being the first black Mrs. South Africa. Are you proud of thank that? Thank you very much. Yes, I am very proud of that. Um, I, I don't know if you know my motto. My motto is, you know, go where no generation has ever been to. So it was quite a fulfillment for me, you know. Um, I had to, I had to win it. Have you always been this ambitious, Akile? <laughs> yes, I have been. You know, uh, growing up from uh, um, rural areas where you know there were no, you know, positions or opportunities. I must say it was it was very difficult. So I had to use the power of my imagination to actually make sure that I come out of that place of poverty and all that to make sure that I made something out of my life. So you know, I've always been like that. You've also been able to use your looks because you're lucky enough to have them. I think <laughs> you've been a beauty queen, so that has helped, I suppose. Actually, looks can be—they can be a setback and, uh, and an advantage, can't they? Yes, they can be. Um, in my case, they are an advantage because I'm actually using it um, to shine the light on other people's lives. So I think that is one other thing that is so beautiful about me winning Mrs. South Africa. I did not win the title for myself but I made sure that I'm using it um, and I'm still using it even now to make sure that other people's lives are enlightened and they are changed, you know, because you have to use what you have to get what you do not have. Yeah, for sure you do, and I suppose you have to lead by example. So before we get on to how you're helping other women and their lives, tell us a little bit more about yours. You, you managed to get yourself out of difficult circumstances. How? Because I think you're now a software engineer. What was your yeah. what was your entree out or your exit out of difficult circumstances? You know, so um, contrary to what other people believe about poverty, for me, poverty was actually a blessing. I did not really want to pack where my parents packed. I wanted to be a new generation that starts, you know, a new chapter in our family's life. So that alone made me to want more, made me to study more, made me not to be average, you know. So I decided from an early age that I'm not going to be average and I'm not going to be just one girl who had a dream and, you know, she only dreamt it, but I will leave my dream. And that gave me a drive to be whatever I am today. That's good. That's good. I'm sure it wasn't. I mean, it is It is helpful to have that sort of motivation. Did you have anybody behind you? Did you have, were your parents supportive of what you were saying? Yes, yes. My parents were supportive. Obviously, my pastor, Pastor Ose, also um, was very supportive. Obviously, and my husband as well. But from a childhood, uh, uh, my childhood, I think, you know, my faith played a very big role, you know, because I kept on encouraging myself and I believed that God had a dream and a plan for my life to prosper, not to harm me. So that is why everything that happened to me, I looked at it in a different way to say God has a plan. And in all the bad things that are happening, there can be good that can come out of it. Because sometimes we tend to look at the negative negatively. But if you don't have the inner strength or your faith to lean on, then you don't, you know, you don't have that will, that will to move forward. So really my faith and, and my pastors and, you know, family, they played a very big role. Yeah. What was, that, what was your, um, your motto once again? It was go where no other generation has gone? Or? Yes, go where no other generation has ever been to and set new trails, you know, because I believe that 
uh, many people want to achieve what has been achieved before. It's not wrong, but I think that there are so many grounds um, to cover. There are so many things that we need to come up with, uh, which brings me to the initiatives that I've been doing as Misty South Africa, because most of the time we deal with only charity work, you know, collecting food and everything. It's not wrong, but what about education? What about rape? We need to be involved and do things that other people have, have never done before. So tell us a little bit about that campaign, the one that I think you, you held on the 27th of April, which was particularly to create awareness around rape, around violence, and, and help victims help themselves. Just tell us the thrust of yeah. it. Um, you know, uh, it's really sad that, you know, um, rape and violence has, have become an epidemic now in our country. And, you know, it's like nobody cares. It's like, you know, some few people are making a, creating awareness around that. But, you know, having worked with young girls who have been raped and looking at their lives, turning around because, you know, at the age of 12, daddy raped me or my uncle raped me. You know, life doesn't look the same. So I decided that I'm going to be a solution. And I adopted um, a community, you know, where the rate is very high. I mean, the, the police are sitting with 71 cases um, of violence reported every month, four, four cases reported every week. So I'm a solution to my world. And I decided, okay, fine, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to have a campaign here educate the people, and after educating them, um, empower the victims to use their experiences. Because at the end of the day, yes, you've been victimized, but you are not a victim, you are a victor. So you can rise above that and use it to empower other people. So basically that's what we, we decided to do. And how, do you, obviously, Vicky, yeah. how do you do that? I mean, I, I hear what you say. How do you educate those people, that community, and where is that community? Um, the community is in Dipslut, based in Johannesburg. Mm. So what I did was I mobilized all the stakeholders because there are, you know, groups in the community that deals with that and all that. Because obviously after the campaign, we have to have meetings afterwards, follow-up meetings to see how people are doing it. And obviously we were distributing pamphlets with the information if you have been raped, the numbers to call, if you have been raped, the steps to take to, you know, report your case, or even violence, you know, because many people in rural areas, you know, they don't, not, not in rural, in urban areas or locations, they don't know about those things, which is very important that even though we're raising um, awareness, but we need to educate them to say, if you go to report a case, this is how you, are about, you, you should um, go about doing that. I would imagine you're not everybody's friend from that point of view. Do you, have, you, have you met with any sort of hostility? Um, not necessarily, because mm. I actually overlook all that all the time. But obviously that day, you know, we got to um, be aware of, you know, the things that the community needs. You know, when people are going to report cases, there's no privacy. You know, there are no things like that, which is those are the things that I'm working on, you know, to make sure that we get more facilities like containers so that, you know, when they go to the police station, because the police station is very small, so nobody wants to say, I was raped, I was violated, you know, in a public place or yeah. in an open place. So that's what we're actually working on, and we're actually looking for sponsors who can donate containers to make sure that we have, a, you know, a proper facility you know, to make sure that these things happen. You know, I believe in government, but I also don't believe that he can do everything by himself. So that is why we have to play a role and help where we can. Yes, well, she can't do everything by herself. I suppose what I'm thinking in, in terms of maybe, maybe sort of hostility, are there any people who are thinking, who does she think she is? 
what does she know coming here, upsetting our community? Do you know what <laughs> I'm saying? Have you got any men who are not so keen on what you're doing? Uh, obviously, they might be there, but I wasn't aware. I went about mm. what my purpose were when I got there. And I was very happy because the police were supportive, you know, the Metro police were supportive. So we had actually a good turnout to say we were protected and there were no violence um, reported that day. So, But obviously, many people feel that, you know, women are punching bags, they deserve what they're getting, and children, and all that. And, you know, if you have a purpose, then don't mind the critics. Just do what you have to do and make sure you get the proper results. Yeah, and I guess you've got to start with, uh, with girls while they're young, and I know that that's part of one of the things that you're doing. You've got an initiative called Girl in Motion. You've got another yes. initiative called Women on the Move. So, yes. Vegeta, I'm going to ask you if you won't just stay with us, because I'd like to hear a little bit more about those two. And perhaps okay. if, if anybody would like to join you or, you know, pick up your cause, perhaps there's a way that they can do that too. Yes. So do stay with us, okay? okay. Lovely. We're talking to Fikile Mekwe, and she is the first black woman to take the title of Miss South Africa. We'll be hearing from her just in a minute after the news headlines. We'll also be talking to Casey B. Dolan, who's written a book called An Appetite for Peas on fame, blame, and what's his name, and all sorts of other goodies. So we're getting her story too. But right now it's one thirty. time for the news with the news headlines with Asanda. Thanks very much, Asanda. Well, as you heard, we're talking right now to Fikile Mekwe, and uh, in a minute we're going to be talking to Casey B. Dolan, longing to find out what the B stands for, but we'll get there just now. But we've got Fikile on the line, and uh, we're going to be chatting to her too, but first, before we do that, let's find out what's going on with the tennis. We've got Natalie on the line. Hi, Natalie Zamanis. Good afternoon to you, Nancy. Well, on centre court at the moment, we've got Jade Windley of Great Britain. She's up against Anna Vangelova of Bulgaria. And at the moment, it's going very well for Jade Windley. She won the first set 6-2, and now she's up 3-2 in the second set. Earlier on, we saw the number one seed, Tamir Babos of Hungary, get through in her match over Karen Schlomer of Israel in straight sets, 6-1 and 6-2. It took her just under an hour to get through, and she had five aces in that game, and Babos definitely looks like a strong contender for the title already in the first round. We also had the, the South African, Lynn Kira, who's the only South African to be playing in the singles today. She was unfortunately knocked out in her first round match against Tadej. Marjorie of Slovenia. The number three seed Marjorie got through in straight sets and in the end won 6 love and 6 2. Has been quite a good day for the seeds. Magda Lynette, the number eight seed of Poland, also got through in her match in straight sets over Basakaradin of Turkey, 7 5 and 6 1. While we also saw the number four seed Nadia Kechenok get through quite easily in her match, 6 2 and 6 love over Alexander Riley of the United States. So a good day for the seeds today. Later on in the doubles, we will see South Africa's Chanel Simmons pair up with Magdalene Lynette, who are the number one seeds in the doubles. And uh, they will be up against Justina Jogolka of uh, Poland and Alexander Riley of the United States. Natalie Jimanis for SAFM Sport. Lovely. Thanks very much, Natalie, and you'll hear a whole lot more of that right here on SAFM, so don't change your dial. But right now we're talking to Fikile. Fikile has become the first black woman to take the title of Mrs. South Africa. And one of the reasons being is that she has a number of initiatives that is really helping support other women. Fakile, let's go back to some of your initiatives. Uh, first of all, the Girl in Motion initiative. I know that you're very keen to work with young girls, particularly those who've had difficulties in their life. How do you help them? Um, we actually offer career guidance and obviously mentorship. So what I do is I make sure that you know I give them career guidance where I can. I get sponsors for their education as well. 
it's knowledge is power. So I believe that if I empower them like that, never to give up, you know, I can relate actually to that because I was also a young girl who had a dream with from a disadvantaged background. And, you know, so I can help them, you know, because I'm actually an example to them to say, if she can make it, then you can be able to make it as well. So, you know, those are the kind of things that I'm doing. So we obviously offer, you know, career guidance as well. I've got some of my friends who actually do come and help, you know. Um, another one help with arts and culture, you know, because the more they get involved, you know, to arts and culture, they get bursaries and get exposed to other talents they have. Do you, do you um, obviously leading by example here, but, but do you encourage them to uh, take up anything? Um, you're going to be talking to Casey in a minute, who's done all sorts of things. She's been on the radio. She's a karate champ. She's done all sorts of things. Besides a career, somehow, you know, you sort of feel you want young women to find something, something that's yes. unique about themselves, something that they yes. can do. Yes, definitely, because, you know, in life, if you, if you want to follow your purpose, sometimes most of the time it's not what you were taught to do, but yeah. it's what you were born to do. So obviously it's best that when you get opportunities, use them, you know. You know, make sure that you multiply your skills. Don't, you know, learn new skill every day, every week. You know, improve your life so that you can be able to be an asset. Because many a times, many girls, they just wake up, go to school, come back, and wait for something to happen. No, we make things happen. So it's very important that, you know, you tap into your um, skills and you tap into your potential. Learn something new every day because, you know, you don't know, but it might be that thing that will give you fulfillment. Yeah. You know, I'm a software engineer, but I'm more fulfilled in helping people. You know, I'm more fulfilled in going out and doing what I'm not paid to do. So it's very nice. I mean, it can give me, a, like, money and all that, but my purpose is to put a smile in somebody's face by just smiling at them and making sure that I use my God-given gifts to empower them. So it's very important. Yeah, use um, your potential, yeah. And, and I think a similar message that you hand out in the Women on the Move workshops. Yes. Are you still running those? Yes, I am running that, and this year we're planning to have a award. So with women on the move is, is, is actually very lovely because I get women who feel like they want to help the community but they don't know how to do it. So I empower them to actually go out and find people to help. And it's been very amazing because we've got so many women who've started NGOs, women who actually went back and, you know, found schools to help, bought um, school uniform for children and all that. So, you know, this year we want to recognize them by giving them awards to say, you know what, you've done well, but you can do even more. Yeah. So, you know, that's what Women and the Move is all about. Well, I suppose if there weren't more hours in the day, you could probably do more too. But at this, right at this moment, you're pretty busy, I would say. But also you're going to be representing South Africa in the Mrs. Globe pageant coming up in China. When, yeah. is, that, when is that happening? Um, I think it's going to be on the second week of September. The, the exact date is not out yet, but I think it's the second week to, to the third week of September. And I'm very much looking forward to that. What sort of training do you have to go into for that? I mean, do they give you an indication of what's expected? Um, I think you actually have to, you know, be globally, uh, you have to be a global person. Mm. Um, and you have to, because Mrs. Globe, the reason why I actually like it so much is they deal with issues of um, abuse, you know, and, you know, violence against women and children. So, you know, because they support the Win Foundation. So I think for me, because I'm passionate about that, so all the initiatives that I'm doing, it won't be something that I'll be just thinking, you know, it's something that is part of me. So that's actually what I'm doing. And obviously, 
preparing mentally as well. Yeah. You know, I have to be mentally prepared. And obviously I train a lot and I, I look at my diet because I really want to fly the flag very high. There has never been any South African who wins that or who do, a, a, you know, gets as close as the top five or top three. So I'm hoping if I get it, I'll be on top three, but I'm looking forward to getting it. Well, absolutely. And we're all right behind you. And hopefully Mr. South Africa is right behind or potentially Mr. Globe is right behind you as well. <laughs> Um, Fikile, I know your Twitter handle is at Mrs. SA12 underscore Fikile. Is that the best yes. way to reach you? Yes, yes okay. definitely. Lovely. Well, all the very best of luck and uh, may the wind continue underneath your wings. Lovely. Well done. Thank you. Thanks a Thank lot. Thank you very much. Cheers. Fikile Mekwe and uh, Twitter handle once again at Mrs. SA12 underscore Fikile if you'd like to get hold of her. Stay with us. It's otherwise. In Radio Vuka at a quarter to four this afternoon. Oh, Emmy, you look super pleased with yourself this morning. You do, like the cat who got the cream. I just wanted to apologise for being a bit of a monster in rehearsals generally. Ah, dear. I don't know why it is, but the pressure just all gets a bit too much when I'm directing, and I can't seem to be able to stop myself from overreacting to every little thing. Apology accepted. And I in turn must say that I also feel the pressure when it comes to rehearsals and am not always, well, subtle in my responses. Don't miss Radio Vuka at a quarter to four. You're listening to Otherwise here on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. And with me in the studio, I have a real professional. She's a professional many things. She a professional what now? <laughs> careful, careful, careful. <laughs> Let's just go with professional. <laughs> she would let me give you some of the uh, attributes uh, attached to her name. She was voted F- FHFM sexiest woman oh, in South FHFM. Is it a radio station now? I have some it's, magazine. Uh, sorry, sorry. I'm, I'm going to get this out if it kills me. But I might have got it wrong. Nonetheless, and I bet everybody, all the men who are listening now will be thinking, pity it's not television. But anyway, I'm the lucky one who are gets Are they male listeners? Absolutely. Oh, good. Yes, indeed. Okay. indeed. That's fun. Have, they listen to women's issues? They do listen to uh, On the basis of education, we like to think that actually we're <laughs> making a difference. We are flying the flag. Well, then let's talk. <laughs> let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk about toi, my dear, before we get onto, onto anything closer to the bone, because I can't cope. So we're talking about you. Mm. So how you are a sexiest woman. You've appeared in movies, on television. You're a television presenter, actress. You've even got your Springbok colours for karate. You've got so many things to your name, and I, I love the line. And the attributes. Line, the and attributes. Attributes, yes, too. Yes, yes. I love your line, your opening line. I have done some really brave things in my life. I, too, have done some really stupid ones. But what I want to say Might is that I be crossing done, this, this boundary now. You, you could be. What you have done is a great deal of things. Yes. And I'm thinking, you know, some people have a direction, and they wake up in their life, and they think, this is the way I'm going to go. It seems to me like you might not have I'm a bit a like a tree. Path. I started somewhere and then I branched. Yes, I think... You're a I tree, th- before you get onto that, you're a tree that yes. had not such easy roots. Can we start at the beginning? Oh, gosh. Well, that's know. where the book starts. Oh, does it really, yes, Nancy? Nancy, I think you've been a naughty girl. I have been a naughty girl because... I'm Did you do me, your homework? Let, let me tell the world here <laughs> that I haven't read the book. I'm going to just say it just like that. I have not read are the book. Blushing? Are you blushing? I am. You're officially blushing. No, the same colour as your the book cover. Lush pink, but I have read parts of the book, and I have read enough enough to know that it's a bit frisky. Yes, and I've read enough to know that it wasn't an easy start. No, it was not an easy start. But I don't really see life that way. Hmm. I see life. (laughs) 
Oh, God, am I going to wax lyrical now? You can wax um, away. <laughs> on and off. Uh, there's karate after all. Anyway, moving right along from that ridiculous analogy. Um, I think it was Kierkegaard who said, um, when you label me, you negate me. And so I have never given myself labels, and I have just gone, gone through life picking up whatever opportunity happens and, and running with it. Um, and I think it's that enthusiasm that the book isn't about, um, it isn't about victimhood. It's not about having spent a time having a really rough ride. It's more about looking at a young girl who uh, comes from that era where divorce was rare, um, giving away my age. <laughs> I look good, don't yes, I, Nancy? That was your cue. Yes, yes, that was your cue. Yes, We're yes, teaching yes, the men. I had to tell you about what you can do about <laughs> grey hair in just a minute. I was reading about it earlier. <laughs> anyway, that, I don't have grey hair right now. No, no, you don't. Okay, it's been coloured for the film I'm doing. Anyway, the, the point is... Um, More of what's <laughs> later. Yeah. Digress, yes. <laughs> ADD brain. Um, the, the thing is, it's not really about looking back at my life and thinking, oh gosh, that was terrible and that was bad. It's more about just looking at life and saying, this is my story. Um, but told honestly and, and also with a funny lilt and probably laughing at things that I might not be seeing. Yeah, and I would imagine it wasn't always very funny. And it seems it certainly isn't. that there were, I mean, so there was divorce in the family, which as you say was rare at the mm-hmm. time, but, mm-hmm. but you were quite a sort of clashing sort of a person. I mean, you were, a little bit in your face. I think there were a number of schools out of which you were thrown. <laughs> so, <laughs> it wasn't me. <laughs> this is another KTB journey. No, it wasn't me. What does the B stand for? Um, you know, I usually have some smart-ass answer okay. for that. Um, and it usually starts with something like B for back or for, you know, B for... Um, what, what is your B preference? I'll, I'll use my imagination. <laughs> So we'll leave the B exactly where it sits there on the cover, and we're never going to find out what that means. But anyway, so, you're, so it's kind of a clashing personality, but we, we need to sort of move on to where you start to do all these many, many things. I just think, you know, clashing personalities in a school system that is based on, uh, as it still is, unfortunately, um, is getting more prog- progressive, and there are, you know, out-the-box schools coming about, but um, they're not mainstream. Um, I think in a system where honesty and truth and being able to speak your mind was not a part of schooling, I didn't do so well. Maybe even in broadcasting. <laughs> but you, you moved on. You I, moved I on have. and you decided to I use have. your voice. And as I say, you mm. have done so many things. I mean, you, you've been acting, you've been uh, on television, you've been presenting, you've been singing, and as you just threw into the conversation, just currently working on a film. What film are you working on? I'm working on a great little film. It's a romantic comedy, um, and I'm playing a bride, and it's just wonderful. It's called Confetti, and it's with Lo Fanta and Nico from Seven Delan. Uh, he's just gorgeous, and he's the husband-to-be, and it's wonderful. It's a great new endeavor um, that we haven't had in South Africa before. We haven't had a really good romantic comedy that I can think of that isn't totally slapped. You know. Have all the things that you've done, all the various things you've done, not least karate, uh, Springbok Colours form, have they all... You are doodling. What are you doodling? I'm, I'm, I'm just <laughs> pointing directions. I'm trying to get on one path and stay on it. Okay. Um, <laughs> what, have all the things that you've done all sort of led to where you are now? Or do you feel that you've sort of gone off at different tangents? I mean, there have been all these, I have to say, there have been all these menfolk in your life, um, just coming back to the humorous bit, which is not always so funny. Yes. Um, yes. And they've all got names that are sort of... Um, 
Metaphors. Metaphors. They're tainted and trouble and compulsive and Adonis and all these sort of things. All these these sort of difficulties. And it was interesting listening to Fikile earlier. You know, all these difficulties somehow seem to have got you where you were. Absolutely. You know, I, I once said, you know, maybe I didn't have the best parenting. But I certainly, if the aim was to create an assertive and independent and self-directed person, they did bloody marvelously, didn't they? So <laughs> I try and look at it that way. Um, there, there are broken pieces, and they come through in relationships, and that's why I think the book is important. Um, it's looking at women's roles in, in life as it's changed. It has changed dramatically, as we all yeah, well know. Yeah, and it's and, important. And we're like a Generation X um, women in 30s, um, where there are no real rules anymore, where you've got this incredible career and you've got, you've got this independent path that you can take, and yet we've still been raised on that neediness, on that um, Cinderella story. And it, it, it's difficult. And through divorce, obviously, it started becoming rife, I think, um, I stand to be corrected, but around the 80s and the 90s, um, which was you know, exactly when I was, I was in that phase. Um, I suppose yes, it is a difficult time for women now because we're sort of between between two things. We're between sort of huge independence and yet still being held back, and we're still held up as we we were just talking to Mrs. South Africa, and you yourself have been. Let me get this right: FHM's South Africa's sexiest woman in 2000. How did you feel about that? Hard to believe, isn't it? No, not at <laughs> all. Au contraire. How do you? I mean, how did how did you feel about that? Did you uh, feel awful, um, objectified? Uh, awful. Okay, absolutely say awful. It now looking back. <laughs> yes, uh, uh, it happened to me. It was not something I entered or tried for. Um, it was, uh, you know, and I, again, not a victim of it. Uh, I willingly went in there and uh, took off my kit and did, you know, got on a bike and all that raunchy stuff that's in the book. But you open the book with that very, <laughs> that, seeing that poster in a DIY shop. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, all happened. Um, and then your mom's got to see your derriere, which, of course, she's seen, you know, <laughs> from birth. But uh, it's a little different when it's on the side of a hardware store um, with some guy's calendar. What was, what was the breakthrough, moving on from that, what was the breakthrough um, in terms of your acting career, your professional career? Everything happened at once. Hmm. So I basically, I, I went into a radio station and I told them they just simply had to hire me and they asked why and I said, because I'm funny. And he laughed, believe it or not. And I'm not sure why, maybe I had spinach in my teeth, but he did laugh and, and off I went and I started in in radio in a community station. The same time, <laughs> I, um, I played a, a coloured lesbian model. Um, why that's relevant is because uh, I had to hard sit to on... believe. I know, I know, I'm rather pale. I had to sit on a sunbed for, I don't know, some ridiculous amount of sessions, and I'm sure if I ever get a melanoma, I can blame that. Um, and I dyed my hair pitch black, and I uh, frizz curled it. Um, and... I then had to do the first lesbian kiss on South African television, and it caused a rather large uproar. During that time, um, I was approached by the SABC to audition as a continuity announcer. So literally it all happened virtually in the same year. And I tried very hard to juggle it all. (laughs) Yes, yes, you've got a lot of things to sort of live up to and live down. (laughs) Stupid ones and brave ones. Well, exactly, as you say, as you say. But nonetheless, there have been many, many of them. 
where are you where are you headed now? I mean, now that you've tried all these things, I mean, you've sort of been dipping your toes into many different waters. Are you are you starting to sort of mature? Like I'd like to think I didn't dip. I'd like to think I, I bloody won't yes. swim, you know, the full mile. I mean, I, I've, you know, presented for many, many years. I've acted for many, many years. And, um, you know, I've, I've, I was trained as an actress. So... Um,